How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. I hope everyone is enjoying their summer as we have returned to some semblance of normalcy here. We are enjoying certainly a bit more freedom. More and more people are out and about doing pre-pandemic things. Our calls for service are rising. And one thing that I've noticed a bit is the increase in calls for service involving emotionally disturbed persons or EDPs. EDP calls are a staple in our industry, but I can't really help but wonder, has the pandemic created an increase in this area specifically? And how are we handling this call based on some of the events that have taken place over the last year and a half? Obviously, this EDP problem is pervasive. However, the inner cities seem to be dealing with it on many different fronts. With me today to discuss his perspective is a longtime colleague, friend, and someone I have worked quite a bit with over the years. From the FDNY Deputy Assistant Chief and Chief of Planning, Fred Villani. Freddie, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Fred, New York City has had a rotten year and a half. There's no other way to say it. How are you holding up? Uh, personally doing well and uh, professionally we are doing well. We seem to be uh, bouncing back and uh, have returned to our normal summer call volume and uh, uh, you know, rhythm of activity. Which is great to hear, Freddie, because being five miles outside of Manhattan, you know, we've worked together for a long time on on many of the interstate planning and things like that. New York City basically just became a ghost town with COVID. It just wasn't what it was. And so there was always concerns as, will it get back to normal? Will it get back to what it was? And I think we're starting to see glimpses of the city returning to what the city once was. No, it really is. I mean, uh, just uh, you know, activity you see in the street, traffic's picked back up, even though uh, it would appear that many people have not fully reoccupied the office buildings, but people are, uh, are returning to the streets, restaurants are open, and we had the, uh, the ticket tape parade last year, that was, uh, excuse me, uh, last week, um, where there was no social distancing and, and no COVID protocols. The ticker tape parade, Fred, which celebrated what? Tell me. Oh, essential workers, everybody from uh, the worker in the bodega to uh, our folks uh, doing 911 EMS, uh, hospital staff, uh, sanitation, you name it, the people that uh, could not uh, stay home and, uh, you know, hibernate during COVID. A well-deserved event. And although, you know, we are lumped in there with everybody, we will certainly take it because we were recognized and that doesn't always happen, correct? Absolutely not. So I'm glad you had a great day. I know you were there uh, personally, and, and I spoke to you on that day. And I'm, I'm happy that you guys were able to get in there, get recognized, and obviously so deservingly so. So now that the smoke has cleared literally and figuratively, New York City, the FDMY, what you folks had to deal with, you, it was the epicenter of COVID-19 in the spring of 2020. It was, uh, you know, I, I've called it Armageddon. You know, we, we dealt with it here on this side. You were dealing with it on that side. There were so many things going against us and it was unprecedented and we hadn't really seen any of this. Um, compound that with the civil unrest and the rioting in the streets 
in Manhattan and, and the other boroughs of New York City revolving around police brutality and some of these things. There, there's been so many things that have gone on, Fred. Um, there's so many things that have basically reshaped the way we do business in EMS, not necessarily because of things that were specifically tied to us, but some of those things that were tied to other individuals and other entities that work with us. And with that, the emotionally disturbed person category, which is certainly something we deal with on a daily basis, has taken a different form. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and some of the changes that we see now in how we deal with this. So, I mean, the EDP calls have always been challenging. Uh, you know, we, we treat them as medical emergencies. Uh, the problem becomes when uh, either the patient is not compliant with us or uh, things are uh, uh, escalated because of the presence of, of uh, e- either. I mean, it's not always just law enforcement. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, family members. But they're, they're challenging calls and they're not insignificant. Uh, you know, we do, uh, you know, we average, particularly in the summer, we average uh about 4,200 calls a day. And uh, you know, over the course of a year, and well, in, in 2019, we did uh, just over 140,000 uh, EDPs. It's an exorbitant amount of calls. And these calls always bring about a certain anxiety level to the EMS provider because it's unknown, right? We don't know. It's very volatile. With that said, there was always a sense of safety that went along with the provider or for the provider, knowing that law enforcement was going to accompany on us. So if that call escalated quickly, we had that safety net there. Well, things have certainly changed a bit. You know, the overall sentiment of law enforcement is probably in an all-time low. Um, there are different feelings on law enforcement and what role they should be playing. And that all just leaves EMS smack dab in the middle. And from a personnel perspective, do we feel that the EMS professionals are concerned right now about how the tide is turning with respect to how we respond to this? You know, I, I can only speak for me. You know, I'm not sure exactly what, uh, you know, the pulse of, of our EMTs and paramedics are. Um, they, they tend to be uh, a lot uh, on, the, on the younger side or people that have been here for uh, 10 years or less. So, you know, they uh, probably identify with law enforcement a little bit less than people that have been on on the job for a a while. But the reality is, is that we we rely on uh, usually NYPD, but other law enforcement agencies to keep our folks uh, safe when things are not going as planned or when uh, family members, patients, bystanders are are, um, not cooperative and, and threatening our folks. But, you know, that being said, you know, the overwhelming number of EDP assignments that we do, uh, you know, do not result in injuries uh, to our members, do not result in uh, assaults and, uh, you know, go fairly smoothly uh, to the hospital uh, up until now, almost exclusively with uh, NYPD, uh, ideally riding in the, in the ambulance in the patient compartment. Uh, there are some times where they choose to uh, to follow in in the the RMP you know, on the way to the hospital, but generally that there's there's a presence that uh, will make you know the the EMS providers feel a little bit more comfortable. Which brings me to the the point of change now, Fred, that we had spoken about a little bit offline. Um, th- this pilot program that the the city is rolling out, 
and, and it's it's essentially looking at these emotionally disturbed person calls from a different perspective and looking to not escalate these calls by having the presence of law enforcement on all of them. Can you just explain what is being piloted right now? So, uh, you know, a directive came down from the mayor's office to try this different response, which is new to New York City, but uh, is not necessarily new in the nation and different municipalities are trying it out. And the idea being that uh, the majority of these uh, EDP patients are, are medical conditions. They don't require law enforcement intervention. Uh, they are not helped by law enforcement intervention. And sometimes the presence of law enforcement uh, will either escalate the patient to do things they might not normally do or will force the police officer to take actions that are, you know, could be physically detrimental to, to the patient. So the idea is to uh, pair up uh, two EMTs with a, a social worker. Uh, the social worker comes from the, the city's health and hospitals. They are trained together in about a five-week training program. And the idea is that they will respond to targeted calls uh, in a non-transport vehicle. Um, and these targeted calls are those emotionally disturbed patients that uh, on the phone are identified as uh, no, no weapons, uh, not violent, not threatening suicide or anybody, uh, but in need of some sort of help. And then they respond to them, uh, treat them as if they were a patient in any, with any other kind of medical complaint. Um, and then the idea is, is that they can de-escalate the situation if necessary, and while the social worker can offer services or, or uh, insert the patient into services that don't require immediate transport to emergency department that we know are, are already overloaded might not be the best place for them to get the help that they uh, they need but instead they, they could be plugged into services and programs that will will help them overall very interesting uh very innovative like you said it, it's certainly happening in different areas of the nation um but certainly a first in 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 your city a couple questions that come to mind number one these units are going to be pre-designated so there'll be specific units that have these social workers uh are they are the social workers with them all day or do they just pick them up and go on these calls how does that work so uh the program's only been in operation for about six weeks now so, uh, you know, it's really just starting to warm up and we're working out, you know, the operational kinks. But the model has a, a designated unit that only does these types of uh, emotionally disturbed patients that are uh, not violent, uh, not a threat to themselves or others, not armed. Um, they are with the social worker in the same vehicle for the entire tour. The vehicle is a non-transport vehicle, though it does uh, carry you know, a full loadout of, of medical equipment should something occur or should they find themselves in a position where they have to provide traditional patient care. Um, and they spend the entire tour together. Interesting. So could this kind of lend itself towards the ET3 model almost as if you're treating these folks at home, creating a situation or a system where you are actually decompressing the hospitals? So yeah, absolutely. So right now it is only operational in a targeted area of Harlem, uh, just a couple of police precincts. Uh, we already are working plans to uh, to uh, roll it out citywide uh, to offer the training uh, uh, to a wider audience, uh, potentially to all of our EMTs and paramedics. 
Um, and and exactly. So we're a little way away from ET3 here in the city, but it, it does do a couple things. It does you know provide the treat in place or the uh, you know de decompressing the hospitals by not overloading the emergency department. And then if while they're on the scene, they do identify that the patient does require ambulance transport to a medical facility, whether that's a hospital ED or maybe some point in the future to an alternate destination, well, then they, they have the ability to call a traditional ambulance to do the transport. I'm an old timer, Fred, like we, we've been doing this for a hot minute. So I, I kind of have that, um, I had that conservative outlook as to, you know, we go on EDP calls, we should have law enforcement with us. And we're always very quick to, you know, push back on change. But you know what, maybe, th maybe this is something that we need, you know, maybe we need to start to dissect these calls a little bit better and not treat them all as cookie cutter because there are so many different things that go into this. Number one, we do have the safety net of, of the call takers who are basically piecing this out to make sure that that scene is as safe as possible to send this unit. Will there be the possibility of things getting through? Of course, but that's what we do. Uh, you know, we never know exactly 100% what we're going into, but the, the fact is we do need to start to look at decompressing not just the system, but these hospitals, you know, we're bringing folks in and it's taking away from the critical aspect, the critical care necessary in these EDs with these folks that necessarily don't need the treatment right away. So as you look at this, as you start to lay it out more, it seems like it's starting to fit into what we're moving towards as an industry, as we start to parse this out a little bit better. Well, absolutely. I mean, when you think about the amount of uh, training that goes into uh, treating or providing care to an EDP patient that's provided in a traditional EMT class or a paramedic class, it's, you know, it's very, very minimal. So we're asking our people to, to go in, uh, you know, to do things that, you know, they are not, you know, they're not uh, extensively trained in. And, and we're not really doing the patients a service by, by taking them to an emergency department if that's not really what they need. The emergency departments are overloaded, particularly the psychiatric emergency departments are overloaded. So it's just not you know, the right kind of customer service. And, and you know, the idea being that if they can be provided with the right services uh, that you know, potentially we prevent them from uh, you know, becoming uh, unstable or requiring a, a call to 911 in the future. Uh, no doubt. Uh, you know, I think it can establish almost a, a rapport with some of these frequent flyers that we see. And as I said, EDP calls are difficult. And and listen, we're, we're in a different time right now. Uh, you know, everybody's on edge and that's from law enforcement, EMS and everybody else. And and, and when you start looking at EDP calls, you, you look at the voluntary versus the involuntary calls and what qualifies that and when can when are we going to need law enforcement to step in and are they going to step in now? There's so many things that are going through our our heads. We need to, if we can make it any easier for ourselves, we'll be much better off. No, absolutely. And, and if we could find a way to better train our folks, better screen the calls and provide a better quality service, you know, uh, to these types of patients, then, you know, we improve the system, we improve the patient outcomes and, you know, really what we try and do for everybody else. Well, Fred, Listen, I'm glad that you were able to hop on with me. I know uh, things are kicking up over there. Uh, lots of uh, lots of cool things. Thank goodness. Uh, concerts are coming back. Um, there's a lot of fun things coming back to the city. And, and again, you know, I just want to thank you again for everything that you did uh, during COVID and, and certainly the, the men and women of the FDMY. 
um, who just ran nonstop, just like uh, almost all of us here uh, in the Northeast and all over the country. And um, just putting some perspective on this, because I think that there, we're going to start to see a lot more change in our industry. And, and like I said, rather than just jump and judge, I, I think it's something that we have to start to look at, dissect and say, hey, you know what, maybe change is good. Uh, in some of these situations. And and so I'd be anxious to hear how this rolls out. I know it's only six weeks in, but maybe we get a little bit of a follow-up on this a couple months down the line and see how it's taken off. I, that sounds great. Listen, you know, uh, you know, EMS has always been about innovation and EMS is, has, you know, as an industry is still young, but, you know, we have uh, provided better and better care to our patients. And, you know, perhaps this is just, you know, the latest uh, thing to to uh, improve our our services. Absolutely, Freddie. Well, listen, you have an awesome summer. Uh, I will be talking with you soon, and uh, I certainly thank you again. That's Deputy Assistant Chief Fred Villani of the FDNY. Uh, thanks again, Freddie, for coming on. And also remember, we are approaching fast approaching EMS Expo. Uh, October 4th to October 8th in Atlanta, Georgia. We plan to be there in person. We plan to be podcasting from the floor. So don't forget to register. Uh, Get on there and register now, and we look forward to seeing you. This has been another episode of EMS World Podcast. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. We'll talk later. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 